You're listening to Sustainable Photography. This is episode 50, and today I've got Aislinn Eileen with me to talk about how changing your mindset can turn your whole business around. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, where you get support and education to build your profitable business in a way that supports your way of living. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, and after 11 years as a photographer, I want to share what I've learned with you. So if you're looking for confidence, inspiration, and to-the-point tips, keep listening. For full transparency, I also want you to know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I might mention some of those in this episode. Aislinn Eileen is a wealth expander, a confidence coach, and a multi-six-figure business owner. She has also worked as a luxury wedding photographer for 13 years before she started transitioning into coaching. She helps high-achieving wedding pros and coaches expand their perspective and scale their businesses with ease. Through content strategy, mindset work, and business strategy, she'll help you take your business and mindset to the next level of abundance. Hi, Aislinn. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This is going to be an amazing conversation. I know. I know. We already got off to a little bit of a head start, but so we just had to stop talking and just start recording because we've got so much to talk about. First of all, I would love to know more about you and your background, basically. Sure. So I was a luxury wedding photographer for 13 years here in the United States. This year, I am actually retiring from photography which feels absolutely incredible. For the past two years, I've been doing a lot of mentoring and coaching, and I really love to help other female entrepreneurs with their mindset, with their content strategy, with doing like the deep, deep work in order to scale and create massive impact. Nice. That sounds like a pretty empowering thing to do to see others like thrive around you when you get to teach and share things. It's so rewarding to be able to have that kind of impact. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do it both in my wedding career and also in my mentoring and coaching career. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. It's really nice to get to work with other people like that. Mm -hmm. But I also want to ask you how you look at a sustainable business. What is a sustainable business to you? Yeah. So I was a wedding photographer for 13 years. So obviously I had that long-term vision. I had the long-term mindset. I really focused on creating a vision at the very beginning. And granted, I was 16 at the time. So when I first was creating <laughs> Pretty young. a vision, like it wasn't like, oh, wh what do I want to be doing when I'm 30? Like that was not the thing. The thing was, what kind of impact do I want to create on my clients? What is my mission? How do I want to make people feel? And how can I do that in a way that it isn't draining to me and it isn't like reaching my capacity where I can't do it anymore. So for me, a sustainable business is you want to consider things like multiple streams of revenue, but you also want to have someone at the head of this company who has a longer term vision, because if you don't have a vision, you don't really have any place to go. And then you also want to have somebody at the head of your company who's doing mindset work. And we really, as photographers, we want to think of our businesses as companies, not just hobbies and not just little side term things or side hobby things. Definitely. What do you consider mindset work? So mindset work is in a lot of ways, it's staying curious and staying in question. So when you're first kind of getting into mindset work, it's going to feel like, wow, there's a lot to think about. But really what it is, is being able to stop, pause and listen to the thoughts that are going on in your head without judgment. 
without being like, oh, that's a bad thought or that's a good thought. That's not what we're doing here with mindset work. What we're doing is we're getting more curious and we're getting more aware of our thoughts so that we can see what thoughts are serving us, what thoughts are keeping us safe, what thoughts are helping us to move forward, what thoughts feel good, what thoughts feel heavy. And then as we start to get more aware of our mindset and as we get more aware of the thoughts that we're having, that's when we can start to see shifts in them. And you can stop those thoughts as they come or you can keep, you know, if you have like a really good thought, you can build upon it. Yeah, that sounds cool. Okay, I get it. But you did mention that you recommend having like someone at be the head of your company, like someone who's a visionary and is good at mindset and stuff. Can that be anyone? Can anyone be that person? Or should you like, if you want to be a photographer, you should hire someone to take that role? I think that's unique to every single person. That's going to be unique to every single listener that's listening to this. There can be companies where you have the visionary and then you have associate photographers underneath who are executing the vision. But you can also be that visionary as the photographer and as the primary, like you might only have you in your company. But I think the biggest thing is having the vision and plugging into that vision often. So I recommend to all of my clients that you do this vision work and like kind of thinking about long-term, like, what do I want? What do I want to create? What do I want to attract? And plugging into it every so often, like every month or every two months, like looking back at that and being like, oh yeah, I did say I wanted to create this. Am I aligning my actions with that? Mm, so that's what vision work is, like just imagining what you want and then finding a way to work towards that. Yeah. Yeah. And for me personally, I'm very much a literal visual person. So that looks like doing like a vision board where I can physically see it in front of me. Some people are more written format. So if you wanted to like script out, I'll just walk you through an example. So if you wanted to do vision work for the next six months, you could do scripting, you could do vision boards, you could do affirmations. There's a ton of different ways that you can do it. It just depends on what you want. So if you were doing scripting, you could write out like, who am I going to be in six months from now? And then you literally write out your day as to who that person is, what they're doing on a daily basis, what they're feeling, who they're interacting with. So if you're more of a written person, that's an amazing exercise to do. If you're more of a visual person, you can think to yourself, who am I going to be in six months from now? And you could find pictures that match the feeling of that. You can find pictures that match the type of work you want to be creating, whatever it is. And then affirmations are more of a verbal thing. So I am a successful business person, or I am happy, healthy, wealthy, whatever it is, that's more the verbal version of it. Yeah, no, I have a vision board. But I do think that I am more the written form type because I do like just writing down what I want and where I want to go, basically. Am I the person with 12 journals? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah, I have a big pile of them and I never know which one I wrote things down in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually came across a journal recently from December of 2020 and I was looking through it and I was like looking through some of the things that I had wanted back in 2020. And it was so beautiful to look back at that script that I had written out because not only am I now living a lot of the things that I wanted, but they don't look like what I thought they would look like back in 2020. Oh. And it's like the intention is there. The feeling is there. The freedom is there, but it doesn't have to be this exact like to the T, this is exactly what I want to live in six months from now or a year from now or whatever. Yeah. So the feeling is more important than the actual thing. Yes. And being able to tap into that feeling is really, really important when you're doing these mindset exercises, because it's really easy 
to logic out our feelings and not actually feel them. (laughs) And so it's beautiful to work with my clients on mindset where they start to actually like get to feel their feelings. Cool. So of course I follow you on Instagram and I see that you're talking about abundance all the time, but can you explain abundance? (laughs) What is abundance? Yeah, absolutely. So when I saw this question on the interview questions, I was like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to have to think about it. So I actually found a Forbes article that explained it so much better (laughs) than I could have. And so I started there, but abundance mindset is what allows you to see the opportunities around you. So it's cultivating that skill of looking for more options, looking for opportunities, looking for wins, looking for gratitude, looking for proof of the things that you want being possible. Because when you can give your brain proof that it's possible, it starts to believe that maybe this could be possible for me. So mindset is just, it's one of those things that you don't stop doing it. It's not like, oh, I took one program or I hired one coach and I'm good. (laughs) I have the perfect mindset. You literally just keep going and like you keep doing the scripting, you keep doing the affirmations, you keep doing the vision boards and the other deeper work that you can do. Mm. Have you seen shifts because of it? Have you seen personally? Have you seen of others? Can you say something about that? Yeah, it's so hard to put this into words, but the woman that I am in 2022, I'm so proud of the woman that I was in 2019 when I started making these shifts because 2019 version of me, if she met 22 version of me, I don't think she would recognize her. Some of the things that I have been able to do because I've shifted my mindset into more of an abundance mindset and looking for those opportunities, looking for the good things, looking for the gratitude, it has allowed me to show up more authentically. It's allowed me to show more gratitude for the things that I've experienced and the things that I'm going to experience. And it's allowed me to interact with my clients in a more, both the coaching clients and the wedding clients. It's allowed me to interact with them in a much more genuine way because it's not coming from this place of, scarcity or lack or worry about what the other person is thinking. It's coming from a place of, I know myself, I trust myself. I know that we are having a beautiful conversation and that we are having a beautiful interaction. And that I trust that they are taking care of themselves and that they are taking care of their mindset. So it's just been really beautiful because I don't show up to conversations and complain as much anymore. Like I don't, I don't (laughs) show up to like other photographers and start talking about like all the chaotic things that happen on a wedding day. I'm just like, Hey, did you see that design? It was incredible. They're like, goodness, like we were so blessed to have this weather. This is perfect. Instead of being like, Hey, did you see the mother of the bride was screaming at the caterer? It's so funny because with mindset, it's like sometimes with abundance mindset, I don't even see those things because I'm not looking for them anymore. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it does kind of remind me of one thing that I hear again and again and again from photographers. And that's the fact that there are too many photographers. The market is oversaturated. I don't know what to do because I have to have my prices be so low because there are so many others out there and I'm never going to get booked. And I think that just relates to this so much. Absolutely. And I think that if you have that mindset, all you're ever going to be looking for is proof that that's true. And so you're going to have conversations where you're trying to prove to yourself that that's true. You're going to be looking on Instagram where you're trying to prove to yourself that it's true, that it's too saturated. You're going to be looking for other photographers who are cutting their prices so that they can get more clients and say, I'm booked out. And you're going to be like, oh, if that person's doing it, my mindset says that that's the only way that I can survive. And that's the only way that I can succeed. Okay. That's what I have to do. So you're convincing Mm -hmm. yourself that there's a lack of opportunity. 
even when there's not. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that so much. And we kind of talked about this before we started recording. There are so many photographers that kind of just like fall into this uh, work. They probably start as a hobby. They have a camera and they learn by doing. And maybe a lot of us aren't that serious at first. I wasn't. I started off with it being just a hobby. I had no idea what I was doing. And I know that you like talking about having a long-term perspective. So how important is that long-term perspective if you're starting out or if you've been doing it for a long time as well? Like how can you get into having a long-term perspective? Why is it important? Yeah. So one of the things I love to talk to my clients about is that a lot of times like we get very in the weeds when we're building a business or when we are even like in the very beginning, you can get very in the weeds. Like who do I need to network with? How do I get clients? How do I do taxes? How do I do all of these different things? Like you can get very in the weeds about it. And that is very much like five foot above the ground view to only ever be looking at those things. So what I like to do with my clients is I like to tell them, get to that 30,000 foot view where you can see how this conversation that we're having right now is going to have an impact because somebody's going to listen to it and they're going to tell a friend and they're going to tell a friend and the conversation just ripples. So when I'm thinking about a 30,000 foot view, I'm really thinking about how is what I'm doing right now creating an impact and a ripple down the road? And is that impact positive? Is that ripple positive? Are the conversations that are going to come from that positive? Or are they neutral or are they negative? And if they're negative, is the intention for them to be negative? If not, then let's shift it. If it is, then why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's easy to sabotage ourselves if, I don't know, if we tell ourselves that, oh, no, we shouldn't go all in or it's scary or it's not possible for me. Yeah, anything like that, really. Yeah. And when we're thinking about that long-term perspective, when you're first starting out, literally everything is exciting to you. Getting a new program is exciting to you. Like getting new clients is exciting. Literally everything is exciting, but it can also be like a little bit overwhelming. But one of the things that I love to think about is that if we can have that vision at the very beginning of our business, even if the vision changes over time, if we can have a vision at the very beginning it allows you to keep plugging back into that excitement that you felt when you very first started this. And that is so important for the long term because otherwise you're going to burn out a lot quicker. And so with long term, we really want to think about what can we plug into to make this still feel exciting, for it to still feel sustainable, for it to not feel really heavy. And that is why I think vision work is so important. And that's why I think long term planning is so important. Can you start doing that at any level? Like, do you have any recommendations around like getting to that point where, okay, I see that I need to have a plan. I need to know where I'm going. How do you start? Yeah. So when I was first starting, granted, I was 16 at the time. I wasn't plugging into what do I want to do when I'm 30? Like that was not (laughs) what I was plugging into. But what I was plugging into was like over the next year, what do I want to create that's going to long-term help me out? Okay. So this year I am creating, and this is, let's just take the year, like when I was 23. Okay. This year I have moved to a new city and I need to get some weddings on my books. And I want to make sure that I'm having a business that actually makes money. Okay. So this year, if I'm going to create a long-term impact of creating a network here that refers me and knows that I'm a good photographer and that I have a really great experience and that I'm easy to work with, what do I need to do right now in order for that to happen? I need to make a list of the people that I want to network with that have similar values to me and also are referring within my market. So 
okay, after I make that list, what do I need to do? I need to make like a template form of how I'm going to email these people. Okay. After I've met these people, how am I going to follow up with them? So when we're thinking about long-term vision, it doesn't have to be like your 20 year plan. It can literally be your next year plan of what are the impactful things I'm going to do in my business for the next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think hearing that is going to help for a lot of photographers because it's so easy to think, I guess, quite short term where it's like, oh, I just need more photos for my portfolio. I just need to build my portfolio. I just want to shoot things. I just want to go out there and have fun. And there's more to it. If you want to run a business, you have to do a little bit of strategy as well, just to make sure that you can keep getting that work that you want to have instead of just struggling to get work at all. Yeah. And hindsight is 2020 because when I was 16, some of the first things I was photographing were families and seniors, because at the time it was my friends who were getting graduated and everything. They were the people that were some of my like first and second weddings that I did several years later. So some of the stuff that you're doing right now can have an impact two or three years down the road, but you have to hold the vision and hold the energy of this is a long-term game. This is a long-term game. Of course, you like need the cash flow and all that kind of stuff. But like long-term, how am I treating my clients? How am I creating a great experience for them? So that down the road, two years from now, they're like, ah, man, Aislinn's the best. I have to hire her again. Or, oh, my friend just got engaged. I have to have her at the wedding or whatever. Yeah, I think that's definitely so important. Aislinn will, of course, be right back. But I wanted you to know that if you have any questions, you can come on over to my Instagram. I'm at Ingvild Kolnes and you can DM me there. So I know that I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't made a lot of investments in different things and in my equipment and courses and workshops and all the stuff. I've also thought sometimes like, I'll just do it myself. I'll just make the website myself. I'll just figure it out. I'll Google it. I'll watch things on YouTube until I figure it out. And most of the time it's taken me a lot longer and it's really not gone so well instead of, you know, just paying for help. But I'd really love your perspective on that. And I'd love to know what part do you feel that investments, making investments have made in your success? Yeah, absolutely. So I have always been a very, very big supporter of investing in your business. So I invest really big and my clients really invest a lot in me as well. So I definitely have the perspective of always keep learning and always mastering more skills. And when it comes to investing in your business, one of the things I do want to say is that getting better equipment does not always have a return on investment. If you see Everyone else around you is shooting with a Canon R6, mirrorless, whatever it is. And you're like, ah, well, there's no way I can ever be a successful photographer unless I have the R6. Some of the top photographers in the world and some of the luxury wedding photographers don't have the nicest equipment. You don't have to buy the nicest equipment in order to create an amazing experience for your clients. And you don't have to buy the nicest equipment in order to create amazing photos for your clients. So that's the first thing I want to say is that yes, investing is big, but you do not need to be out there buying the new cameras every single season, every single month. You just don't need to do it. <laughs> Even if it makes you happy, I really just want you to think about, is this actually like a long-term something that's going to help my business? This is pretty much exactly what I said on my 
last podcast episode, I think it was, where it's like, don't make business decisions based on what you think is like fun or cool or because you don't need more lenses. That's not what's going to make or break your business. Yeah. And on that note, you can totally rent lenses several times before you ever buy them. My last wedding is in July and I'm renting lenses for it because I'm like, I'm not paying $3,000 for this lens. There's no point. Yeah. (laughs) But as far as investing, there's the equipment side of it, of course, but then there's also the mindset strategy business side of it when you're investing in coaching. And there's definitely a difference between taking a course and hiring a mentor slash hiring a coach. And so this is something that you're going to have to figure out for yourself where you are in business. If you're at the very, very beginning of your business, hiring a coach may or may not be a good investment at that point, because they're just going to be talking to you at a level that you don't even know what they're talking about at that point. But there's going to come a season where you've taken the courses, you've done the 10,000 hours of photography. So you know exactly all the buttons to press, how to get everything, where hiring a coach to help you with your self-sabotages, your mindset work, your business strategy, the big vision work, and sustainable photography, all the different things that a coach can help you with. At a certain season, it makes more sense to just be hiring coaches or taking programs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you need to master the basic stuff. But when I started, I did buy all the courses I could find. I bought tons and tons of books and I read so much and there wasn't that many options back then. So the stuff that I found, it wasn't like I could choose like, oh, I want to find something that matches my sense of humor or someone who I feel like I really love their pictures or their personality or whatever it was, because it was either that or nothing. But now there are so many choices. And I think that's one of my favorite things as well about this podcast that I get to talk with so many different educators within the photography industry. And they all have a unique way of looking at it. So it should be possible for everyone to find someone that they get on with and to find the education that you need at the level where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. And so we started at the same time for photography. And so I know exactly what you're talking about because I remember in 2009, when I first got my camera, I had no idea how to edit anything. The only thing I was doing was (laughs) people were paying me $30 for photo sessions. (laughs) And so I remember at the time I was like, I need to learn how to edit, but like, I don't even know what to do. And Photoshop was a beast back then. And uh, I remember my mom helped me hire someone online. He was in Europe we did video calls where he showed me how to edit things. And like, that's not really a thing anymore. You could just go like on YouTube for two hours and you could be a pro. (laughs) So it's beautiful to see how much it's changed, but also recognizing that because it's changed so much, there is something for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And at every level as well, because If you're just starting out, you need the basics. You need to know how to use your camera. And if you're doing wedding photography, you need to know where you're supposed to be at all times. And yeah, just that those general things. But then after a while, you might realize that, okay, there's more to this. Because unfortunately, and this is one of the things that I, I just come back to again and again in the podcast. And that is making sure that you don't undercharge in the beginning, because it's so hard if even possible sometimes, to catch up later on because you just have to start over when your prices increase to a sensible level and your referrals aren't worth anything and you're just setting yourself up for a struggle, basically. So that's one thing that I'm hoping that that's going to come from this podcast just in general is people understanding that you need to work out your prices 
from the start and charge that and not look at what everyone else is doing because that's definitely not sustainable. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And honestly, it's so interesting to me because people come to me at every level of business for photographers and they'll come to me. And actually I work with planners and florists and other people too, but they'll come to me and I'll look at their prices and I'll be like, why are you charging this? You could charge double this right now. And like, they're like, but I have no proof of that. And it's like, I know the proof. So by me being their coach, I am the proof to show them that yes, you can charge more than that. Yeah. I've never come across someone where I've thought, oh, you're charging way too much. There's no way anyone's going to pay you that. It's always, always, always been the other way around where people are underestimating what they can charge. They're worried and scared like, oh, I'm not going to get booked. I see that this person is charging this, then I need to charge less than that because they've been doing it longer or they're better than me. That's not really the case. It's not like a customer is looking at different photographers' prices in like a checklist situation. Be like, oh, I see that this person is doing that and this person is doing that. This one's definitely better. So why are they charging more or less? If someone likes you, they're going to pay. And if they don't like you, then they're not going to pay. So the small price increases don't matter. You don't know who your clients are comparing you to anyway. And if you're not charging what you need to do to get paid what you need to get paid, then there's no point in booking those clients. Yeah. And it's interesting because I hit a certain season of my photography career where I was hired because I was more expensive than other people that the clients were looking at. It was rare that I would hear back that, oh, we didn't go with you because you were too expensive. Well, okay. People will say that. People will be like, oh, you're too expensive. But it's like, they weren't going to hire you if they thought you were too expensive. They were never going to hire you if they ever thought that you were too expensive. They were always going to hire somebody else because that was the value match was with somebody else. So if somebody is saying to you like, oh, you're too expensive, don't lower your prices because just one person said it. In 2020, I had a it was like 128 inquiries. And out of the 128, I think we only booked like 10 of them. How many times do you think people said no to me or said you're too expensive? I didn't change my prices because I had 80 people say that to me. I waited for the 10. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't need everyone. You only need a handful unless you're doing, I don't know, portraits or something like that, where you maybe need quite a lot more, but you don't need everyone. So just because, okay, you're always going to be too expensive for someone. When I started out, I charged very little because I didn't know any better. And I've never heard you're too expensive as many times as I did in the beginning. Now that my prices are like, I checked once and I think my prices are about 100 times more now than they were when I did my first wedding or like from my cheapest to my most expensive. And in the beginning, I heard all the time that I'm too expensive and I hardly ever hear it now. And you shouldn't worry about the people that think you're too expensive. Just figure out what you need to do to get booked by the people that think you're perfect. Yeah. And I also will say, if you are somebody who is hearing you're too expensive from a lot of prospective clients, make yourself a template email that just says, thank you so much for considering us. Goodbye. <laughs> like, because it will take the emotional baggage out of having to email those people back. Because I know that feeling of disappointment when somebody is like, oh, we're going with someone else. And when you have to email back every single person, like, oh no, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I mean, that right there is a time leak. And it's also an energy leak where you are just giving your time and energy to something that does not need your time and energy. So make yourself a template. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah, absolutely. But 
What about you and your mindset? Because we've talked a little bit about how we've changed our pricing and about your journey, but how has your mindset changed from when you started until now? Has it changed the way that you do things or say things or even feel about things? Yeah. So I will say that I've always had this ability to kind of step into the unknown and just know that it's all going to work out. Because for me, I've had so many experiences in my life that were really awful, but they still worked out for the best over time. And so this is, I think, part of why I have such a long-term perspective is because I've seen the things over my life where I've been, when I was in the thick of it, I was like, what is going on? And then afterwards I was like, oh, cool. That happened because of this. And so for my mindset, I've always had like, I can jump into the unknown and be, you know, I'll complain about it a little bit, but then I'll be okay with it. But there's been seasons. It's not like, oh, Aislinn's always had a positive mindset. There's been seasons where I've had gotten dragged into scarcity mindset. And I think we all have that. But recognizing that it can be a season, it doesn't have to be an identity. You don't have to identify with, oh, I just have a scarcity mindset. And like, you might not even have the words for it. Like, you don't have to identify with that. You can just be like, this is a season. This season is heavy. And that's okay, because it's not forever. And I've always been able to kind of reconnect with what I'm doing here and the impact that I'm creating. And that has always kind of helped me if I've ever been in a scarcity mindset to draw me back into my abundance mindset of, okay, what are we actually doing here? What's the intention behind this season? Even if it's heavy, how can we create something beautiful even during this season? And so I'll give a bit of an example that'll be helpful for people. So if I'm ever getting riled up by a client interaction, whether it's on a wedding day or it's like an email was sent or whatever it is, I like to ask myself, is my reaction to them coming from a place of love? And is my reaction something that I need to take a step back from? And so that really helps me come from a place of abundance and come from a place of love and come from a place of this is going to be okay long-term. If I can say, is my reaction to what they're doing or my reaction to this situation, is this actually coming from an intentional reaction or am I actually literally just reacting to them? And that just kind of draws me back into more of a neutral place where I can come from a place of like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the how I'm going to react to this and how I'm going to engage with this. And if I need to take a step back, then I'm going to let them know like, hey, I hear you. This conversation is really important to me. I'm going to come back to it when I can engage properly with you. So you actually just pause it. Yeah. Yeah. I was taught pretty young. You don't make decisions when you're in an emotionally heightened state because like it never works out when you make a decision from like a super, super emotional place, whether it's positive emotion or negative emotion. Yep. (laughs) Coming from a more place of neutral, like, okay, I've thought this through. I'm intentional about this. That's going to help you with your long-term business instead of making like snap decisions of, either fear of missing out or because you're reacting to something instead of being proactive in your engagements. That's a really good tip. Absolutely. As we talk about in this episode, getting help from others can make a huge difference for you. If you have some things that you're struggling with, you should really add your name to the waitlist for the Sustainable Photography Program. There will be both a Norwegian and an English version starting up this year with limited spaces though. So if you're on the waitlist, you're sure to be notified when it starts up and there's some extra bonuses in there for you as well. Go to ingvillkolnes.com slash sustainable. And another thing that I've seen on your Instagram is about communication and how you phrase certain things. So 
specifically, how has your mindset changed the way you communicate with those around you? And I don't mean like just where you take a time out, like what you just explained, but how are you wording things differently? Yeah. So I'll preface this. I was a nationally ranked public speaker in high school. So like I literally, I literally (laughs) went around, like we went all over the country. We competed for speech and debate. Impressive. (laughs) I mean, I loved it. So I want to preface that because that definitely helped a lot with my communication, like was just having that background. But when I started really getting more into abundance mindset and so when I started doing affirmations and when I started doing the scripting stuff that I talked about earlier, when I started having vision boards, it almost changed my language because what we talked about earlier, where if you're listening to your thoughts on a daily basis and just kind of listening through and you hear a thought, you pull it out and you're like, Ooh, that's not a thought that I want to have anymore. Now you have the chance to look at that thought and be like, how can I rephrase this in a way that's more helpful feels better, doesn't feel as heavy, whatever it is. And so when I talk about communication and how that's changed over time for me, because I started doing mindset work and because I started doing affirmations, my language changed. Affirmations, a lot of times are, I am abundant or I am, or I have. It's very much, that's the first part of the phrase. And so when I'm communicating with my clients and I'm communicating with even my wedding clients, my communication has started to mirror the affirmations that I do. So it's, I mean, it's definitely changed the way that I talk, which I think is really, really fun. I've actually gone back and listened to myself from like 2019, 2018. I had some old videos. I was like, oh, oh, I show up differently. I carry myself differently. I speak differently. It's like a different person, which is kind of fun. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you have any examples of things you say differently? This is a really good one that I love to do with my clients. And this is an affirmation that I'll speak over them, which is I'm allowed to want more. I'm allowed to want the clients that light me up. I'm allowed to want the home life that feels warm and full. I'm allowed to want more abundance and prosperity. I'm grateful for all that I have. I'm grateful for all that I am. And I want more. I love that one. Super quick one. (laughs) I did affirmations for entrepreneurs, but with the stuff no one says out loud which I thought that one was really fun. Oh, tell me, tell me. Okay, so these are very common affirmations that I've heard either that I've said or I've seen in the coaching industry, which is the affirmation, I am a successful entrepreneur. But when you're new to affirmations and that doesn't feel very good for you, what might be actually going on is I am a successful entrepreneur, but I have a ceiling of success that I'll allow because it doesn't feel safe. So that second half is the thing that, you don't say out loud, but you're definitely thinking when you say that affirmation. (laughs) (laughs) Another affirmation is I'm constantly attracting new clients. And then the second half of that, that people don't say out loud is, but I'm going to complain until they're here. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So when I talk about how my language has changed, it's definitely changed to be more direct and definitely more potent. I don't use as many filler words as I used to. And that came from watching my thoughts without judgment and picking out the things that I was like, Ooh, I like the way I said that in my head or Ooh, that's not a thought I want to think again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'd love to know some practical examples that people can use. Like if you're using language, that's kind of putting yourself down and there are better examples of things that you should say instead. Here's a couple that I see used really often. I try not to use these anymore. Occasionally I'll slip up because I'm human. We are all human. (laughs) But some of the phrases that I hear and there's different swaps for them. So like if you find yourself saying, I hope that's okay, 
I want you to try out the phrase, thank you for considering my perspective. So if you're saying the words, I just wanted to ask, especially in an email, if you say, I just wanted to ask in an email, try this instead, just ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> just go straight to the point, ask the question. So one of the confidence tips that I have for my clients is that confident people don't announce what they're about to do. They just go do it. You don't have to tell people, Hey, today I'm going to talk about this. You just start talking about it. You don't have to say I'm walking into this room right now. People know, people know that you're walking into the room. So just actually doing the action. What people are really, really attracted to is confidence and confidence comes from being decisive. And I think a lot of people get really kind of tripped up with decision-making so that it feels they can't make a decision. And that's really where this tip comes in. Just actually go do the action instead of like announcing it or talking about it. So another phrase that's really great that you can trade out. So if the phrase that you keep saying is sorry to bother you, you can come in with is now a convenient time to have a conversation about. This one's great for wedding day. So if you're coming up to the client and you need something for them, instead of being like, I'm so sorry to bother you. I really need to ask you a question. You're putting yourself in this position of they have power over you instead of coming in and saying, Hey, I need to have a conversation with you is now a convenient time. Yeah. So it's a confidence thing. Is that why it's a good idea to phrase things in certain ways? Yeah. I mean, everyone's going to have their own phrases. These are just some of the ones that I've switched out that have really helped me. And I actually love to ask my clients on wedding days, what would you like to prioritize right now? Because what you're doing is creating an invitation for it to be a, like a partnership rather than you're putting your power in their hands or mm. you're the only one with power. Um, wow. That's really powerful. But as far as why this is so important is because as you are leveling up and scaling your photography business over time, some of the difference between someone hiring you and someone hiring someone else is going to be these little nuances that people can't put their finger on. Sometimes people hire me because they're just, wow, she is such a grounded energy. She is so confident. She is so easy to communicate with. I might not have the best portfolio, but if they feel that kind of energy from me, they might hire me over somebody else with a different portfolio. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really important to keep in mind when we're always striving to like do more photos and be better and comparing ourselves that it's often not about the photos at all, which is sad for a lot of creatives, but it's just a fact. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've seen so many of my friends who they've gotten hired or haven't gotten hired because of these tiny little nuances. Do you think that's why you're passionate about sharing and teaching what you've learned yourself? Is it because you've seen others not do as well as they possibly could have? Yeah. So for me, I am so passionate about teaching and coaching because I know what's possible if you master this stuff. I've seen what's possible if you master this stuff, not only the language and confidence pieces of it, but also the business and the artistry of it. A lot of people just focus on the artistry and they focus on like, how can I become a better photographer? And at a certain point, you're going to hit diminishing returns of how good you can get for photography skills. But then when it comes to like confidence and when it comes to language swaps, that is always going to help you no matter where you are in your career. And I'm sure that with the things that you teach, because you teach so much about mindset and abundance and all that. How do you see the photographers around you sabotaging themselves? What are some common things that people do? 
Oh boy, where to start on this one? (laughs) Okay, so you know, everyone's going to have their own personal brand of sabotage. Everyone is. I have my own personal brand. I actually know some of my sabotages at this point and I look at them and I'm like, why, why, why are you still there? (laughs) But some of the ones that I see that are very common are playing into the chaos of your client's emotions, whether this is on a wedding day or whether this is at a photo shoot or whatever it is. If you're letting your client's emotions change how you are reacting, that's a self-sabotage because that's taking away your power and that's taking away your ability to be in a neutral energy where you can create and give your clients a great experience. Another sabotage I see is this belief that you are not worthy to talking to certain people. This one, I see this all the time, especially in the wedding industry of this imposter syndrome of, I'm not good enough to talk to that vendor. So I'm not even going to try. And I've played into that one too over the years. I barely do that anymore because at this point, (laughs) at this point, I just think everyone's human. We're all doing our own thing. If they want to talk to me, cool. If they don't also cool. (laughs) So this belief that you're not worthy of talking to certain people, that is a self-sabotage. The belief that there's never enough money, that's a self-sabotage because that will keep you from looking for opportunities where you can create the abundance that you're looking for. Another one is that if you're booking a client, that you're taking away an opportunity from someone else to book a client. That's a self-sabotage. Oh, really? Yeah, because that puts you in a scarcity mindset and it puts you into this mindset of there's never enough. And there's always enough. There's always a photographer for a client. There's always a client for a photographer. Another one that I see a lot is crowdsourcing instead of trusting your intuition. So that's a self-sabotage because instead of, I know that I want to do a rebrand on my photography website, instead of just being like, I know I want this and this is the thing that I desire. I'm going to take action towards it. You're going into a Facebook group full of people who don't really know you care too much about you per se, and they have no actual attachment or investment in your business. And you're saying, hey, I need you to tell me what I need to do. That's a self-sabotage. And then the final one that I see a lot is not valuing investing until there's a fear of missing out. I see this a lot in the photography industry of just people don't value investing in a program or investing in a coach or investing in whatever until somebody else is doing it. And now it's like this FOMO feeling. And that is not the right way or the right reason for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm very much, I come from a place of, is this something I desire or is this something that I think I'm supposed to be doing because it's being done by other people? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I can't really help asking about your own sabotages because you mentioned it and now I need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. So right now, this is not photography or business related. This is personal. So I am a personal journey working with a nutritionist and I just got some blood results back that I'm taking out gluten and dairy. So I'm going gluten and dairy free. And (laughs) it's very big and very overwhelming and I'm doing great, but there's a lot with it. So one of my sabotages, complaining to my husband that this is absolutely impossible. I can't prioritize this. I can't prioritize all the different things that they're telling me I have to prioritize for this. I'm just going to go eat a burger. (laughs) That is a self-sabotage because that is both not gluten-free or (laughs) dairy-free. So for me, I have to like really watch myself when I'm in a situation where I know sabotage is really probably going to happen. I have to watch myself and see not only the things that I'm saying, but what are my actual actions? Because I can sit there and complain all day to my husband and poor guy, listen, but if my actions aren't matching my words, then is it really a sabotage? No, it's just complaining. But 
if I'm complaining and then I go eat a burger that has a whole bunch of dairy and gluten on it, that's a self-sabotage. Yeah, that makes sense. That's one of the big ones right now. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand the challenge. Yeah. Sometimes complaining does feel a lot better at the time. Like it feels necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it just will get it out there. I see for wedding vendors, like self-sabotage, some of the stuff that I'll see is that on a wedding day, people will wait until the very last minute and then they'll get into action where they can make a whole bunch of really chaotic decisions instead of making these decisions earlier in the day or you know, not on a wedding day. And that's a self-sabotage because that is a way for you to stay in chaotic energy rather than coming from a neutral, grounded, regulated nervous system energy. What about, like, if you can say one thing that the person who's listening right now can do to move forward in their business, what would you say? Well, shameless plug, hire one of us. (laughs) (laughs) We both have programs, we both have masterclasses, and we have one-on-ones. There's a ton of different ways you can work with either one of us on these things. But my recommendation for somebody who's listening to this is to go do a big vision date with yourself. So give yourself permission to dream bigger than you have absolutely ever dreamed before. And you can write it all out. You can create a vision board. You can do affirmations. I just really want you to go set aside 20 minutes for yourself, put some headphones on, tell everyone, don't come in my office for 20 minutes. Like just (laughs) give yourself that space and that permission. And what I want you to do when you're doing the actual vision board or whatever you end up doing, I want you to imagine that everything that you write down or everything you put on that board is actually possible and that you are already a match for it. But there's nothing that you have to do. There's no one that you have to be in order to be a match for the things that you want. You are already a match for them. What a great tip. I think so many of us just kind of float along and we see what others are doing. We're like, yeah, that sounds okay. Or just mindlessly just doing things. So yeah, that's a great start. Absolutely. And I also want to ask you, What would you recommend doing to build a sustainable business? Yeah, so there's a lot of things with this one. Definitely hiring a coach. If you're at the season where hiring a coach makes sense and you'll know it, you'll know. I've mastered the basics of this. At this point, this is my own inner work that needs to be done in order to like scale the way I want to scale or have the impact that I want to have. Do the deep mindset work and the money belief work and the success belief work. All of that is very important because if you don't believe that you're successful or you don't believe that you can be successful, or you have money beliefs that you're sabotaging and you have money beliefs that keep you from either making more money or creating savings or whatever it is, it all comes with you. It all comes with you. So when you're thinking about having a sustainable business, get that stuff settled now and start doing the work now, because it's not like you're going to hit, oh, I'm booking 10K weddings and all of a sudden all my money beliefs are gone. Like all my money sabotages are gone. No, no, they will just be bigger. So start doing that work now. And then the other thing I would say is create multiple streams of revenue. That's definitely an important thing for a sustainable business. Take a good look around like who you talk to regularly. Are they uplifting? Are they talking about more abundance things? Are they talking about scarcity things? Are they talking about how like they're so burnt out and they stay up till three o'clock in the morning and they have insomnia? Are they talking about that? Or are they talking about how I just went outside for a walk and I feel great today. (laughs) (laughs) And the final thing I would say for having a sustainable business is declutter the things in your life and your business that feel heavy. If you're looking at your life and like you're looking at all your different systems, the idea of having a bookkeeper terrifies you. That's something that you need to declutter because it feels heavy. Or if you have 
man, I really wish clients would stop emailing me at 11 o'clock at night. That's something you need to declutter and add office hours. There are different things that might feel heavy in your business that you can add things to or take things away to make them feel lighter for you. And that's really important when we're building long-term businesses is that we're kind of like decluttering the stuff that does not serve us long-term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great tip. Okay, Aislinn, this has been amazing. So much fun talking with you and you're really good at explaining things. So that's really great. And I'm sure that the listener would love to keep following you. So where do they go to keep learning? Yeah, so the best place to find me is on Instagram, Aislinn Eileen Coaching. And I also have a free Facebook group just for female wedding professionals and also coaches. So if you're a photographer, you're more than welcome in there. But the biggest place that you're going to want to follow me is on Instagram because that's where all the fun stuff happens. I'm in my stories basically all day, every day. (laughs) Um, Good, good. I'm going to be sure to link. Yes, please. Yeah. And I create a lot of video content and reels. So if you like my sense of humor and you like the way I talk, you're probably going to like my reels a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Cool. That sounds really good. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes so that you're easy to find. And yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. This was beautiful. I loved our conversation. I wish we could keep talking for another like two hours. (laughs) No, I know. We have to do it again. Yes, please. I would love that. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Sustainable Photography. Head over to Instagram at Ingvel Kolnes to tell me what you want future episodes to be all about. Check out the show notes over at ingvelkolnes.com slash podcast. You can learn more about the Sustainable Photography Program and sign up for the waitlist there. To get more of this content, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Your support makes all the difference. Talk soon.